This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first First step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at LolaV.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at LolaVie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. I'm Anonymous, and I'm here to talk about my experience with dating somebody who is a Nazi or a white supremacist. I know I said this to you when you emailed me in my response, first of all. I think I responded like three minutes after I got your email. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it was a long email. (laughs) I am so glad that you reached out to talk about this because it's something that it's a story that obviously happens to a lot of people, but something that we don't hear about and a type of conversation that is not often had. And so Mm -hmm. I feel really fortunate that you were willing to share your experience. So just thank you so much for being willing to come on and and talk about this. 
Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. Take me back. Like, how did you and this person meet? Where did this story begin? So we actually met on Bumble. We exchanged very few messages. We talked for maybe a couple of minutes. And he was basically like, you know, I don't really like texting and getting to know people over like in the digital space, I just prefer to cut straight to the chase and meet in person. And would you be down for that? And I was pretty comfortable with, uh, we're both, we both live very close to each other. So I knew the area well, and I felt very comfortable. So I was like, you know what? Sure. Why not? We'll go to this place that I'm very familiar with. And I, I'm not, I wasn't really concerned about anything. So I kind of went into it without knowing anything about him. The only really things we had talked about before meeting in person was he asked me what I was passionate about and I explained what I was passionate about. And he was like, that's so cool. That's like the best answer anybody's ever given. I'd love to know more essentially. Wow. Okay. So off to a good start just from the apps. And, you know, I think sometimes skipping over all of that texting conversation feels like a pleasant surprise of like, okay, cool. We don't have to waste our time doing this. Let's just get Mm -hmm. to the date even though maybe all that texting is what we're more used to. I'm sure this was just like, okay, cool. This person wants to meet in real life and we've had a good conversation. Let's get to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely like that. And then we went to a bar. It was like August. So it was still pretty warm out and we sat outside and we spent the whole night talking. He was very much the kind of person that I would be looking to date. Um, he was very like growth oriented, very uh, introspective. He enjoyed a lot of the same things I did, like um, being outdoors. He also had a lot of goals with like traveling as I do. Um, so we really, really clicked on the first date. So what happened after that point? Because so far it sounds like everything is yeah. good. <laughs> and we're, 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 we're texting our friends after like, oh my God, the date was great. Like all everything went well. I think we're going to see each other again. Like I imagine that's kind of where this yes. was. Yeah, definitely in that space. I was really excited. I actually don't love sharing the details of my dating life with my friends. I'm a little bit more of a private person. So I didn't really um, tell anybody at this point. But yes, we did meet up again. Uh, We went on another date shortly after, I believe. And that one was also great. And so a couple of more dates, seeing each other. He had a really intensive job. He worked almost like 60, 70 hours a week. So it was kind of hard to see each other. So mostly we would meet up for like lunches and stuff. We kind of didn't have much of an opportunity to really like spend extended periods of time together, um, which is maybe like where I always think back like, oh, maybe if I had gotten to know him a lot better sooner, um, I would have seen it. But, you know, I didn't see it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we always have those things when we realize things in hindsight. It's like, what could I have done differently to catch this from the get go? But the tricky part is if people don't necessarily want you to know something about them for a while, they will hide it. You know, Mm -hmm. there may not have been anything you could have done to find that you could have spent 24 hours straight or an entire weekend with him. And if he didn't want you to know, maybe there was no way for you to know. Yeah. Basically, this went on for about, I want to say like two months um, where we were just spending as much time together as we could with our busy schedules, but like things were going great. Um, I definitely saw like a future with him. Um, I thought we were well matched at the beginning. Um, There was a couple of things that definitely sparked some like 
concern from me. But just to give a little bit of a background, I grew up in a very conservative household in a very religious family. And so I also have some conservative points of view. I also have some more liberal points of view. So to me, I'm not unfamiliar with people believing in some extreme things just because I have family members who do and who unfortunately often make comments that are maybe like racist or homophobic. And um, so it was when those things popped up, like very, very occasionally at the beginning of our relationship, um, I wouldn't really like let it slide. I'd just be like, you know, I'm not comfortable with you saying that. And he'd be like, sorry, you're right. Like you would, he would apologize. And then like, it wouldn't happen for a bit. About the time that we uh, decided to be in a relationship. It was shortly after that we met up one day for lunch and he was like, you know, um, I have something really important to tell you. And I was like, oh boy, you know, like kind of waiting. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop just because I was like, this is going so well. <laughs> Did you have any idea what he was about to tell you? Like what were you thinking or what was going through your mind of, okay, what shoe is he going to drop right now? No, I had no idea. The only things that like kind of I was really a little bit suspicious about um, was the fact that like uh, he doesn't really talk to any of his family members. Um, and I was like, is this like some sort of, you know, like interesting situation that we're finally going to get to? Because I had asked questions and he would just kind of be like, you know, like we just we have a hard relationship. He kind of had a tough upbringing. So I kind of understood where he didn't want to keep in contact with like maybe his parents. But I was a little bit surprised because he also didn't really keep in contact with the siblings. Um, but whenever I tried to kind of broach the topic, he would just brush it off. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is it. Like, maybe this is finally the big secret that we've been right. keeping. He told me it felt like he had sort of been lying to me because he'd been keeping this to himself, but that he had a lot of very radical beliefs. And I was just kind of like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I was like, like what kind what, of radical beliefs? <laughs> Exactly. That was my question. And he was like, well, um, I used to belong to an organization that, or the word that they use is nationalist. So it was a nationalist organization. I'm still very iffy on all the definitions, but um, I know that like the term Nazi is not really used, but the reason I choose to use it will come up later. <laughs> but they consider themselves nationalists essentially and so he was like I was part of this nationalist group when I was younger it did a little bit of like things that were kind of destructive and but I walked away from all of that a year and a half ago and um, I joined a, a much more quiet group that essentially like doesn't really do any activism we're just like a group of people who share beliefs and we're like a family and I was like concerned, obviously, but I was also just mostly confused. Um, and so like, I started asking a lot of questions. And he explained to me some of the beliefs uh, that they hold, like, um, that people of different races shouldn't date and shouldn't, you know, especially shouldn't have children together. And, um, you know, they were very against anything of the like, LGBTQ community, um, all of that. And Essentially, in like their ideal world, what they wanted was 
to have a all white community where like they're just not disturbed. They didn't necessarily want to like segregate the world, but they just wanted to like remove themselves and live in their own non-mediated community, essentially. Did he express where this came from? Like why he had these beliefs and why this group of people wanted that for themselves? Or was he just like, this is what I believe? I imagine he tried to explain it to you. Yeah, it was hard to explain. Um, My first question is like, is this what your family believes? You know, like, is that what you were raised in? And he was like, no. He essentially explained that he'd sort of, he'd read a lot about the topic, um, obviously in weird places on the internet. And he was like, it's the best, it's the best way I can see like people coexisting peacefully together. He was like, you know, there's so much war and so much conflict in the world. And he's like, it would just be a lot easier. You know, we have all these issues with like police shootings and he'd be like, it was, it would just resolve all the problems, you know, if we were just separate. And I was like, I don't agree with you. I think you're wrong, but I can't really, you know, I can't just like change your mind about anything right now, like immediately. You're just getting this huge bomb of information dropped on you with this person that you just developed really strong feelings for that you're hoping you have a future with. And it's, I mean, even I can imagine people would hear that information and just not even try and push back at all because they don't want to, you know, lose this thing that they have with someone. So even for you to say like, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. Where did this come from? Even to give any pushback, I think is really admirable and probably was really scary and difficult to do. Yeah, it was definitely, it it didn't turn into a fight, but it did turn into like a heated discussion at the end of which he was like, are you breaking up with me? And I was like, I need time to think about this. Like, I don't know what I want right now. Um, So we basically parted on those terms for a few days. We took some time apart. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about what this would mean for our relationship and like if I could really deal with it. And so I ended up reaching out to him and being like, you know, I don't understand it. And um, I think before I make a decision, I kind of want to understand it. So we ended up seeing each other again. I'm a little bit hazy on the details of this just because it was a while ago. But basically, we ended up, you know, staying together. And I was like, I'm never going to really approve of this, but... He was also saying, like, you know, if you have a better argument, like if you could change my mind, like I'll change my mind. And so it was very hard to walk away because it's not like he was just like, these are my beliefs and this is it. He was like, I'll change my mind. You just need to present a better argument, Um, which kind of put a lot of the feelings I had on like myself as in like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to change his mind about it. Right. Yeah. I imagine that was really challenging because it's like, well, of course, this should not be the beliefs of a person. So I should be able to change his mind. But how do I do that? And now there I feel all this like internal pressure on myself to do that. But again, like how like people believe what they believe. And in order to change that, I don't know, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And I just feel like 
of course, those should not be his beliefs. But if that's what he believes, like, how can me, this one person come in and change that? Right. Kind like, of like, what yeah. argument can you make besides like, that's just obviously wrong. wrong. <laughs> right. Like, am I putting together PowerPoint presentations? Am I sending podcast links and articles? Mm-hmm. And I'm really struggling to determine how I would even approach that. And that's a really, really difficult position that you were put in. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating, and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across and I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right, all right, I know that everyone has their hands up. And I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Brave the uncomfortable. 
Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive-compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned in therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from. And if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. It kind of became like the elephant in the room for a while where I really just like, I felt kind of like I should be doing something to change his mind, but I just kind of felt like I didn't know what to do. So I didn't do anything. Um, And so just to like re-timeline this, we meet, like late August, um, mid-October, we are together. And then like late October, he tells me this. Um, It didn't really become an issue again until December. um, Because in December, there was an event happening that he wanted to attend and he wanted me to attend with him as his girlfriend. Um, And this was their yearly nationalist chapter Christmas party. Oh my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ (laughs) yeah um so I was just like you know I don't support your beliefs you you know that so like reasonably you can't expect me to attend this and he was kind of like you know if you really want to understand my beliefs it might be beneficial for you to be around the people that I'm around who share these beliefs and maybe you'll kind of understand it better And essentially, if you give it a shot, maybe you'll agree, like you don't know. And it did turn into like a little bit of an argument where I was just like, no, I'm not comfortable with this. And he was like, just one event, like one event ever. And then I'll never ask you to go to anything again. And I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll go. (laughs) And this party, I have to say, is the most surreal thing I've ever experienced in my life. I like want to know every single detail, but I also don't, but please, please enlighten us. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we drove, um, like an hour away to, so we're from the suburbs of a large city. Um, we drove like further out to almost the countryside. Um, and it's like this tiny little town and there's these like cookie cutter houses, you know, where like the neighborhood where every house is the same. Um, so we pull up yeah. to one of those and outside this detail, like sticks with me more than anything 
like ever. Um, we pull up and there's this sign that says like H O M E like home, but you know how the O gets replaced by like different things throughout the year. So like it's winter. So it's a snowflake. Do you, are you familiar with the sign? Kind yeah. of. So we pull up to it and it's like home with this little snowflake. And I was like, is this like a hobby lobby, like signs house, you know, like it's got all the signs and it was like, we went inside and there was all these signs of like peace and love and Live, like laugh, love home is where the yes, heart is. Yeah. Very much so. And I was like, this is so surreal because hanging next to that sign, like one of those live, laugh, love signs was a Nazi symbol, like a Jeez, Nazi a flag, yeah. a swastika. And so I was just like, is this real? Like that didn't feel real. Um, it was a, it was just like your standard American house, you know, in, in, in a neighborhood. Um, you couldn't tell at all from the outside. And then inside you had all this Nazi related memorabilia. There was a lot of people there. I want to say this party was about like 50 people in this like medium sized house. So it was pretty crowded and we kind of made the rounds. He introduced me to some people and a lot of people were like a little bit apprehensive about me being there just because I wasn't part of the organization, but they were very welcoming and very nice, I have to say. And yeah, as the night goes on and people are drinking more, like a lot more of these conversations get brought up that are just like making me really uncomfortable. And at one point, somebody started Heil Hitlering, you know, where they salute um, and like everybody did it. And I was like, this is fake, right? This can't be real. Literally and how? I don't, I don't know. How? I don't know. <laughs> it was so surreal. Oh my God. And that, at that point, like I was done and I was like, we're leaving this party. I'm not okay with being here anymore. And he was like, okay. So we left and the whole drive home, I was just like silent <laughs> And just trying to process everything that happened. And I was like, I don't get it. I still don't get it. I mean, I'm trying to process everything that happened just from hearing about it. It is just mind-blowing how that still exists today. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. And, and I have Polish roots. And so this is all like very hitting home for me because, you know, I have, I have family members who are in concentration camps and I have family members who are murdered. And um, my grandpa... Did you tell was, him that? Yes, he knew. But being Eastern European was one of my most appealing factors physically for him, obviously, with the like blue yeah. eyes and all. And uh, with... Like all of that, I was just like, I'm super uncomfortable. You know, I thought this was better than it was, but like this was just too extreme. And he's like, yeah, haha, it was a little bit more extreme than our usual like get togethers. And I was like, <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> to know. Oh, and then after that, we just, I was just like, you know, I'm never attending one of these again. I was super uncomfortable. And basically I was kind of like, I, I put my foot down more and I was like, I'm not comfortable with you being in this organization. If you want us to continue, I kind of need to know that, you know, you won't participate in this in the future. Like the argument I kind of brought up was, you know, what if we have kids? Like there was kids at this party. You know, like people brought their children, they were families there. And I was like, if we have kids, you're not bringing our children to this event. Never, ever. And he was like, I understand that. 
you know, he was like, don't say never, but, um, <laughs> no, never. No, I was like, yeah, I'm like, no. And he was like, okay, I understand that this is how you feel. Let's just take some time to think about it. And so I was like, okay. And then for Christmas, my sister as a gift got me um, ice skating passes for two. And so um, when we went to go use them in January, we were driving in to the city to do this. Um, So it was a long drive. And basically our entire drive there was like a big fight about this. And I was like, you have to leave this organization if you want us to stay together. And he was like, I can't leave my family. You know, like this is the only family I have. My whole family doesn't like speak to me. And I was like, well, you know, like you could find a new family, but like this can't be your family and this won't be my family. Um, And so that night was just like kind of the worst we got there. I really didn't want to be there anymore, but like these passes were for a specific day. So like we had to use them Um, and we were there for like an hour. And then I was like, I want to go home. And um, usually if we were doing something on the weekend, like I would come back and stay at his apartment. But when we drove back, I got into my car and I went home to my house. I was like, no, I'm not here for this right now. So that was kind of the beginnings of the end for us. Before we get to more of the ending of you two, a few questions I have. First being, I know you mentioned at the start of our conversation that you're not like quick to like run and tell your friends everything, but did you tell anyone in your life about this, about this Christmas party, about his beliefs, about these conversations that you were having? Or did you keep all of that in? I mean, my friends were aware that I had a boyfriend. They had, some of them had met him. Um, everybody really liked him. He was a very like nice person. He very charming. You know, people automatically liked him a lot. Nobody really knew just because I was really embarrassed. Like I thought... I have friends who are gay and friends who are, you know, people of color. And I just thought that if anybody knew, then like my friends would hate me for it. And so I was just way too embarrassed to tell anybody about anything until um, after. The only person who knew was my sister. I told her everything. She's always been supportive of everything. So she was like, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You clearly really care about him. I think at that point we had already said like, I love you. So she was like, you know, you love him. So I won't tell you what to do. But, you know, like, do what you think is best kind of in the situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be so hard to, you know, feel that like embarrassment or shame or like, you know, that people's reaction to this information is not going to be positive. So like, but then you also feel like you're hiding something probably similarly to how he felt, you know, being two months in now official with you and not having told you. But holding that in is really tough and gets really, really heavy. But I also understand why you wouldn't want to tell people that I definitely wouldn't. Did you ever meet any of his friends? Did he have any friends that weren't nationalists? He did. Um, So I guess one thing that's kind of important to know, I mentioned that we lived really close together. He had actually moved two weeks before he met me from very far out in the countryside. Um, So I didn't really get a chance to meet his friends, I think, until like um, late December, because they were just so far away that we never had an excuse to go all the way out there. But I did meet them eventually. And they, they weren't part of like the organization. But I could kind of tell that they also 
were like very conservative, you know, kind of as people are in the in the country. So and was the reason that he was estranged from his family because of this? Yes. So his sister was in a relationship with somebody who wasn't white. And when they found out that he was part of this organization, she was basically like, you know, we're not going to be in contact. He was sort of in contact with his parents more than I thought at the beginning. Um, It turns out that they were like more chill about it than he made it seem. They obviously like he's their son. They didn't support it, but I wouldn't say they like outright, you know, disapproved of it. And we actually, I actually saw his family, some of his family for Christmas, just because my family was sick and they were kind of like, oh, how are you okay with this? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like they were kind of in the same boat. Um, But obviously the sister, um, the one sister who was like, no, like we're not going to keep in contact. She wasn't there. So it was only really part of his family that he's kind of estranged from. How do you think you were able to get to the point of feeling like you loved him and telling him that you loved him, given this part of his life and this core value and thing that you guys were not aligned on? That's a good question. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you're in the thick of modern dating or you're wondering if the person you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Dateable, your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Krafchick and Yue Shu. They talk about it all, from why you're choosing the wrong partner and how to stop, to how to actually go from matching on the app to getting on a date, to securing your anxious attachment and everything in between. Julie and Yue have been on Seeing Other People, and I've been a guest on their podcast too, so if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my episode of Dateable, season 15, episode 10, Is It Chemistry or Anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. I think compartmentalization, really. It was something that we talked about as rarely as we could because it would almost always be some sort of argument. And I just, besides his beliefs, he was a good person. Like, it's not like he wished harm on anybody. He really cared about his friends, um, his family. He was always willing to, like, go above and beyond, essentially. And, you know, he was a great, caring boyfriend. When When I was sick, he took care of me. Like, it was, it was almost hard to believe that he believed what he believed because he was so, like, normal and good. Yeah. I mean, he was human. Obviously, there were so many things about him that you liked and that drew you to him in the first place. And you weren't expecting this. And I think that's really tough to digest and to just be able to... How do you go about that? Like when there is this person in front of you that you feel connected to, that there are so many things about them that you love, but there's this one thing. But again, like if everything else is so positive... I can totally see how you're like, well, how do I even believe this? Like, how are these the things that he thinks and believes and values when everything else about him is normal? Yeah. It was almost kind of hard to justify this ruining the relationship because I was like, it really doesn't impact us 
at all besides the times that we're arguing about it, you know, but it's not like it impacts what we did or like where we went out. The only thing that it really kind of made me feel distant from was my friends where I just didn't know how to marry those two, but I was also very busy with school and work at the time. So I was just like, you know, I don't, I'm not even seeing my friends that often at the moment. And so I was able to kind of be like, maybe this could be sustainable long-term. And I think maybe also, I always had that hope that he would leave the organization. Right. Especially since he said, convince me and I will. Yeah. And then there's one other thing that you mentioned in your email that wasn't brought up that I kind of just want to hit on the social media Oh, right. Yes. Um, So pretty early on, he did admit to me that he wasn't on any social media. um, And I was kind of, I mean, honestly, I was a little bit impressed because I tried to limit my my social media. Like, wow, like, that is fucking awesome. I am jealous. Good for you. That is a green flag. Right? I was like, good for you. Like, that's awesome. But then it kind of did become a little bit like concerning when he was kind of like, please don't post anything about us on social media. And I was like, okay, um, why? And later he like admitted to me. So for anybody who's listening, who's not familiar, doxing is essentially where somebody online um, targets you and takes all of your personal information and posts it online for the world to see. Um, And that can include anything from like your social security number and all of your kind of important personal details. And it's a way of harassing somebody into behaving. And he had been doxxed by I don't really know how to describe the organization, but it was like an anti-nationalist. Yes. Yes. Like an anti-nationalist organization had essentially doxxed him. And so if you searched his full legal name in Google on like page two of the searches, you could find it. So like if you quick Googled his name and you just like read through the list, you wouldn't see it. But it was very shortly after there. And so because of this, he was like, if I had a social media presence, that would endanger my safety and security with like my personal information being leaked. I just can't risk that. So, um, and there was also, I later found an article that actually had a photo of him and like, uh, named him as a nationalist included in that as well. Did that scare you? Yeah, it scared me. It scared me as much as this scares me (laughs) in just like, It's not an organization to be messed with. You know, it's not a group of people to be messed with. And even just talking about it makes me a little bit nervous because I know that there are people willing to do stuff like this. Um, And it did it like, you know, realistically, it put his job security in danger and like people could steal his identity if they wanted to. So um, I was aware that those were all real possible obstacles in the future that we would face because of this. Um, And so I was nervous on his behalf, but also on mine. Yeah, because in a way, if he's in danger, you're also in danger. Yeah. Yeah. um, He was also, well, not so much like in danger physically, I I think, but Mm -hmm. because he had chosen to leave that other organization that he was a part of earlier, there were some people who maybe were like, you know, this guy's kind of a he's a flake. Like he left, you know, he can't be trusted anymore. So yeah, it, it definitely made me nervous. Yeah. Okay. Back tracking, <laughs> pause, rewind, fast forward back to the beginning of the end. You got home from this 
ice skating debacle. What happens next? What unfolds? What unfolds is essentially I start reevaluating everything about our relationship. So I was kind of like, can I really do this? Can I really deal with it long term? Um, Is this really somebody I can spend my life with? Because to me, there was no point in dating further if that wasn't the case. And when I really started to think about it, I started seeing a lot of the ways that like our future goals didn't match. Um, And I started thinking of all the things that we like couldn't really do because of his association. And I essentially that on top of like the guilt that I was feeling with my, with my friends and my family, I started to, it started to break down our physical connection first, essentially. So I would, you know, shy away from any sort of intimacy with him. It kind of made it hard for us to connect. And so there was just a lot more tension happening between us. And it started to become like pretty much constant. About February, my birthday falls right around Valentine's Day. So it was kind of like a a big deal, you know? Um, So he was trying to plan something big and he planned a little get together with my friends and he got me all these flowers. And I really just didn't feel like I could enjoy myself the whole time because I think mentally I was already like, we need to break up. But I felt bad doing it, knowing all these things were coming up, like knowing all these things that he had planned. And it took me until late March, essentially, to finally end things. It all kind of uh, blew up in like a, we had an argument one evening. The next day we were supposed to have plans. And driving there, I was kind of like, you just like quiet. And I was like, I don't think this is working. I'm just going to get through this event today. And then, you know, probably this week, I'm just going to have to end things. Um, We got there and the event was actually canceled because of weather. So we turn around and we go home and in the car ride back, he's like, kind of like asking me, like, how can, how are we going to recover from this? Like, we're clearly not in a good spot together. And I was just like, you know, I don't think that we are. Like, I don't think we can recover this. And he was like, are you re-breaking up or do you want some time to think about things? And so in the moment, I kind of doubted myself and I was like, maybe I just want some time to think about it. I went home that day and I took some time. I called one of my closest friends and I was like, hey, you know, are you available to hang out? And I'm not really the type of person who would text a friend and do that and just be like, right now, can we do something? So he was like, of course. So we meet up and I was like, here's everything. Like I told him everything. And he was like, I I won't tell you what to do. It kind of sounds like you know what you need to do. Kind of sounds like you've already made up your mind. So you just need to go and do it. So I was like, you're right. So I did reach out to him and I was like, you know, I I can't do this in person, but I was like, it's, it's over between us. And he was like, okay, well, come grab your stuff from my apartment. And I was like, okay. So he left for a couple of hours, like the day we broke up, I went there, I packed up my stuff and I took everything home. And then I was like, you know, that's it. It's done. And well, I thought that was it, I guess I should say. Well, first of all, I kind of want to call out like what your friend said to you, I think is 
one of the most powerful things a friend can do when listening to their friend expressing something they're going through or trying to figure out how to navigate it and say like, it sounds like you already made up your mind. Like you already know the answer. And I think sometimes we just want somebody to tell us like, it's okay to go do this thing. Like it is okay. You know what you want to do. Like your decision is valid. I'm here for you in it. I support you. You're not alone. And I think that's such an amazing thing that your friend said to you because what it did was it empowered you to do the action of the decision that you already knew you wanted to do. But sometimes just knowing isn't enough. We need to know that someone's there with us or that, you know, we've thought it through enough or that somebody else thinks it's the right thing also. And so I really applaud your friend who was there to listen and without judgment and just say like, yeah, you got this. And I think that that's just really admirable. I also... It's funny what you said about you kind of knew you wanted to break up with him in February, but then all this stuff was coming up. And so you like didn't. It's that's something I hear often. But when it comes down to it, like there's never a good time or a bad time for a breakup. There's always going to be something coming. There's always going to be something next, always going to be something that's planned. And obviously, you know, you waited a little. It's not like you waited forever. So I think it's completely okay. But For anyone who's listening, who's they know that they want to end something, but they're procrastinating, putting it off, avoiding doing it because of something else. Like Valentine's Day is right around the corner. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of other people in this position right now. There will never be a right or wrong time. You just have to do it when you feel like you can do it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. So it's okay to take your time. But you know, if you, if you've made up your mind, then sooner turns out to be better than later. Yeah, Um, exactly. It didn't actually end there, though. (laughs) No, it did not. Um, So uh, a couple of days go by. um, Some drunken text messages were exchanged, but essentially he was like, he was the first to say, like, if this is really over, like, don't reach out to me again because I can't handle, like, the on and off. And I was like, "You're, you're right. That's fair. You know, let's just agree that we won't talk. And he's like, it'd just be easier if you block me, you know? And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I block him on through text messages, which is our only form of communication. And then a couple of weeks go by, I want to say, um, and I get a letter in the mail, like a full on handwritten four page letter. Um, And it's essentially a letter where he kind of makes his case and it it was it was a weird weirdly worded letter because half of it was like apologetic and half of it was kind of like blaming me um he would kind of go back and forth between like you know like I'm sorry we didn't work harder at this and then it would be like you know you said that this was the best relationship you've been in and stuff like how could you end it after saying that So it was a lot of like back and forth. Actually, I have one of the letters, but I have the last one. So we'll get to that. Um, So he sends that letter. I don't respond. A few more weeks go by. I get another letter. It's similar, but it feels like now it's more blaming me and less so like, you know, take me back. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot an important part of the story. After the drunk texts, we met up one time because he was like, I think we should get together. 
I still have some of your things that you left behind and it would be good for us for closure to just like talk about it. Um, so we actually ended up going to the place where we had our first date, not my idea, but he was like, let's just meet here. It's really conveniently in between both of our houses. And I was like, fine, whatever. Just for context, it's a bar. This was like a Tuesday at noon. We were the only people there. And basically like we walk in and he's like, hey, how are you? Like, how is everything? I was dealing with some family issues, um, some family health issues. And so I kind of updated him and he was like really sympathetic. He's like, I'm sorry, you have to go through this now. And I was like, you know, it is what it is. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to head out. And he's like, no, wait, like I'm here to win you back. And I was like, well, my eyes just got so big. (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, this whole conversation is essentially my last attempt to get you back. And I was like, oh, um, you know, we're not getting back together. And I left. Um, Good for you. Like, okay, like that might be what you're here to do, but that is sure as hell not what I'm here to do. Yeah, this was not discussed beforehand. So this is now what we're going to be doing. I did not RSVP to us attempting (laughs) to get back together. Sorry. Wow. Um, And so I thought that was the end of it. Then came the letters. The third letter is the one I have. Do you want me to grab it and read some from it? If you feel okay doing that. Sure. Um, So I will say this whole time that these letters are coming in, I'm kind of getting more and more stressed because it's now like April, you know, May, early May. And here I am like still receiving things from him where, where this ended in March. So I was kind of getting a little bit paranoid and I was like, what if these letters never stop coming? And so my friend was like, you should save them, like have hard evidence that there is still contact when you're saying you don't want any more contact, just in case you need it. So that is why I still have one of the letters. In the second letter, he mentioned that he had left the organization and that he was seeing a psychologist um, and getting some help for his mental health. And It almost seemed like bait to me because that had been the condition that I had set. Um, It kind of felt like he only really did it to get me back. And so I was very hesitant, Um, but it'll it'll come up in this letter. So I thought it was relevant as well. Um, So this letter says, I miss you. I miss sending each other memes and funny videos. I miss hanging out with your family and your friends. I miss you challenging and correcting me and opening my perspective and worldview. I miss the future I saw with you. This goes on and on. And then it ends with, I will forever cherish my memories with you as as much as it hurts now to think about them. Um, And that was the uh, last letter he sent. I was at this point like freaked out and almost annoyed. Um, So I emailed him and I was like, please just stop sending me the letters. And um, he essentially emailed me back and was like, wrote another letter just in an email. Um, Another one of those same things. It was like paragraphs. And um, I didn't respond immediately. I took a few days but essentially I was like, 
talking to my friends and I was like, I'm worried that like, it's going to escalate from the letters um, was my concern because it seems like he's not letting up. He's still just as determined as he was when we broke up. And my friend was like, you should just, you should just get a, like a restraining order or something. And I was like, well, that feels a little bit extreme given that nothing has actually happened. Um, but instead what I chose to do was to threaten a restraining order. So I said, if you continue to reach out to me, you know, I will be pursuing some legal action. Um, and that did effectively stop the communication finally. Um, but yeah, that was, that was then actually the end. Looking back, how, I guess, is there anything you wish you had done differently or what you would tell yourself going into this or at any point in this? Because obviously there's, there's so much to it. I mean, this ended up kind of spanning almost a whole year. Um, and it was obviously a really intense relationship and, you know, just kind of, uh, appear into an entirely different world. Like, What's that like for you, you know, thinking back and saying like, wow, I went through all of this. I think it honestly hasn't changed my worldview that much. I feel like, I mean, I was, you know, we're all kind of aware that these groups exist. Yeah. It was definitely interesting being like present in it um, and learning what they're really like. But I think you know, I, I walked away from it. In the end, it wasn't really like the political affiliation that ended the relationship, but just like me realizing that, you know, this, this wouldn't work. And I kind of, when I think back, I wish I had been more honest with myself because I feel like I spent a lot of that relationship pretending that there was more possibility for a future than there really was. And and I think that's really relatable to so many different situations that we find ourselves in because we hold on to, you know, the hope or the potential that we once saw before we learned other things that we, you know, at this point now know. And it's really difficult to, you know, stomach that and to take that at face value and convince ourselves or reason with ourselves of like, okay, okay, this doesn't work anymore. Let's move on. It's like our instinct is to fight for it and to Mm -hmm. say like, no, maybe we can work through this and we can find a solution and we can, you know, compromise or change this person or change ourselves for this person. And at the end of the day, I think, yes, there are some things we can change, you know, if they are a morning person and we're a night person. And for some reason, those need to be aligned because of scheduling or when you can see each other like sure that's something that's adaptable but to be able to compromise on you know values and beliefs and and what you want for your future that's where you have to kind of hold yourself accountable for saying like no there actually is a core issue here that we might not be able to work through and that's okay yeah it's always easier said than done I think people do hold out that hope um, sometimes indefinitely, um, I'm don't regret ending it at the time that I did. I think maybe it would have been easier if I had done it sooner. Um, but 
I think it also, you know, everything that happens is meant to happen. So I got to learn through it and, and grow through it. And, um, I don't think it, um, made me more weary of dating. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and there's something that you wrote in your email that I just want to read out. Um, you know, after I read this email, the way you ended it, I just, I have a lot of respect for you said, I don't want to paint him in a bad light. I don't think he was a monster, which is how we often view people who have these affiliations. I just think he got caught up in a bad crowd and I hope our relationship helped shift his perspective on things. I think that that is something, I mean, a, it's like the perfect way to kind of tie this up, but not people aren't necessarily bad. You know, people are not born bad and we do sometimes view things in black and white. And yes, I know so many people who were in concentration camps and maliciously murdered in the Holocaust. And obviously I'm Jewish. And so it's a very sensitive thing for me, but I don't believe that people are inherently bad. I completely agree that, you know, people can get caught up in the wrong crowd or get handed a really shitty deck of cards that shapes their life. And, and that's something that just, you know, after hearing everything that you were exposed to and, and the fact that you were still able to view this person as like, he's not a monster. It's, he's just the person who, you know, got caught up in the wrong crowd. I just, I have really a lot of respect for you and for that outlook. And so I just wanted to, to call that out. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's much easier to put a label on a person and just, you know, call it a day, um, break up with somebody and call them crazy or call them a narcissist. Um, but, um, in reality, I just, you know, everybody has good traits and bad traits and it always just seems really unfortunate to me, especially when relationships end and people start painting their previous partners in a bad light. Could it be more realistic than the rosy picture they painted when they were together? Yes. But, um, but it often goes too far in the other direction. And I, and I didn't want to do that with this because I did notice that actually at the social event that we attended the Christmas party, um, it seemed like a lot of the people who were in this organization fell into it because they had no one else in their life, like no other community. And so yeah. when you people get misplaced, it's easy to come to this where people welcome you with open arms so long as you exactly. just believe what they believe. Like what an easy in, right? Yeah. And I've seen that happen in so many different types of communities. And it's, you know, of course, everybody wants to feel like they belong somewhere. And could that sometimes come with consequences? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that they intentionally went to seek out, you know, the goal of doing something bad or being surrounded by bad people, you know, right. Everyone just wants to feel like they belong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. Before we close this out, I do have one final question for you. And that is, what is the best piece of dating advice you have ever received? Um, I didn't see this one coming. Um, probably the best piece of dating advice I've ever received. Um, I'm not sure who told me this, but somebody said once that you're not 
dating just your future partner, um, but you're also dating the father of your potential future children. And I don't like the statement as far as assuming, you know, that everybody's going to have that family situation. But what it does for me is put in perspective, you know, like how much can I put up with versus how much would I allow other people in my life to put up with? Um, And just don't let people, you know, who don't make that mark be a part of your life. I love that. And that is actually something that nobody has said before. So thank you for bringing that to us. I I really, really like that. And I couldn't agree more. Thank you again so much for being here and for reaching out and and coming on and sharing your story. Um, To everyone who's listening, thank you guys so much for listening. Please send this to a friend who would benefit from hearing it. Share it on your story if you loved it. And if you have something that you want to come on unfiltered and talk about, please email me at seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and I would love to have you. Anonymous, thank you again. And to everyone else, I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.